0: Some common sense. Yes,
1: sir. They have the cars down to 10 by
0: We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and good afternoon. My name is Bill Cannon. I'm a retired NYPD homicide sergeant with uh, 27 years of service, and I'd like to welcome you to the show today. One of the things that we're looking at this um, Debbie Collier case, and it's right now uh, it's a little bit baffling. However, there's a lot of evidence, and I I think that uh, the Habersham police really should have enlisted the uh, assistance of the FBI and the GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, because a lot of their evidence seemingly is taking longer to come back than it would have if they could have got, say, an entity like the Georgia Bureau of Investigation to push it and get it get it uh, back much quicker. Same thing with the FBI. The FBI has all kinds of toys. They got all kinds of money that they can push it forward. But that's neither here nor there. I think they're on the right track. They held a press conference uh, today. And i'll go I'll go into that. I'll actually show us show some of the press conference. But um, one of the things you know just to give our, our our listeners a point of view, Georgia real estate office manager Debbie Collier, she was last seen on September tenth and found dead the next afternoon, about sixty miles away from her home, after sending money and a cryptic note to her daughter, according to the police. In the following weeks, Police gave uh, a few updates on the 59-year-old Athens woman's death, and they have publicly identified no suspect or person of interest and made no arrest. They've served several search warrants, including one at the home of Kalia's daughter, Amanda Bearden. She's 36 years old, but police revealed nothing about the status of other warrants, subpoenas, and crime testing. You know, whenever you look into a homicide, one of the most important things about Uh, conducting an investigation like this is the organization of the case. As the case moves on and there's no uh, suspects named, you really have to do a thorough, thorough investigation. Keep a uh, really tight timeline. And also look at the, you want to look, always look at the people that are closest to the victim. You always want to look at them first. And even if just for the purpose of eliminating them, you must look at the people closest. So again, who we would look at right away, Amanda Bearden. And one of the things, or the three of the things I would look at, I would look at her cell phone, I would look at her computer, and I would do an extensive uh, study of her. We would call it a suspectology. Look into her background. Look into every single thing about her. Talk to her friends. If she works, talk to her coworkers. Look at her criminal history, her vehicle history. Does she get a lot of summonses? Look into every aspect of her. Number two, Andrew Gigerich, boyfriend of Amanda Bearden. Same thing. I'd look at his cell phone. I'd look at his computer. And I'd look into his, um, let's call it suspectology. and again, look into his friends, interview his coworkers, look into his criminal status, look into his vehicle status. Is the guy showing signs of uh, you know? If someone gets a lot of moving violations, traffic violations, it says something about them. Steve Collier, of course, the husband. You got to look into the husband. Uh, the same thing. Look into the cell phone, his computer, and his victimology. Study his background. Jeffrey Bearden, who is the son. You look into all those things that I spoke about, the cell phone, the computer, and the victimology. There's lots of physical evidence on this case. Now, where she was found, we know that when she went to that um, that store, that dollar store, which was 60 miles from her home, and that's a big question, too. Why did she go to a dollar store that was 60 miles from her home pick up these items when she had several dollar stores very close to where she lived? Why did she drive 60 miles to go to this store? And why did she buy those very specific things? She bought a rain poncho, a tarp, paper towels, and a torch lighter. So we, those, are, those will come into question. And those will undoubtedly uh, come into play down the road. But we we have to look into that. that those are evidentiary things also because all of those items that she bought in the dollar store were found on the scene on the crime scene on the scene of her murder. They were all found there found there. So could there be fingerprints on on those items? How about DNA? Uh, those are, are things why why was she found at the crime scene if it's true that she was found naked? why why was that? Why was Why was her clothes off? Was this a sexual assault? You have to ask yourself that. When her body was processed, no doubt they should have done a rape kit. Uh, That's just part of homicide procedure. Uh, They should 100% have done that. Now, I'm going to play this morning at about 9 o'clock. They had a press conference. And what everyone, of course, was waiting for was for the results of the autopsy however, and here i am I'm gonna break the news to you before um before we actually pull up the press conference they didn't uh the answer to um, to the autopsy was that it's pending that it's it's not uh the results are not uh, in yet so the autopsy is pending that is so so important to this investigation let me play some of the um press conference, and we'll get to to hear right from the Sheriff's mouth.
1: On behalf of the Sheriff, Joey Terrell, I want to welcome you. Uh, To begin with, I'd like to give you a brief synopsis of where we are to date on the investigation. Uh, The results of the autopsy are still pending. The results regarding the analysis of the items we've submitted to the crime lab are still pending. We are now just beginning to get responses to the search warrants and the subpoenas in the case today. We can tell you that we have received additional footage from a security camera from a business near the Family Dollar Store. That additional footage shows us that Deborah Collier walked out of the Family Dollar Store at 309, got into her van, and remained in her abandoned parking lot for 10 minutes before leaving the parking lot and heading south on Georgia 15 Highway 141 US 23. This tells us that the time frame is actually narrowed a little further to for the, this case to begin at 3:19 p.m. on Saturday, September 10th, and ending at 12:44 Sunday, September 11th time of discovery. Please understand that this case is very complex in nature and has a lot of questions and unknowns.
0: You know, folks, I just want to mention that um, allegedly the Venmo payment was sent from her phone at 317. So that would indicate if what the sheriff is saying right now is accurate, that would indicate that she was sitting outside the dollar store when she sent that Venmo payment to her daughter. And then we know the cryptic message that sort of indicated that she was, um, she was being kidnapped or someone was holding her against her will. Um, what she said was, they are not going to let me go. Love you, there is a key to the house in the blue flower pot by the door. So that would indic- that's one of the biggest pieces of evidence in this whole case that would sort of indicate that someone was making her do something or say something and send this money against her will. And the fact that she drove to this spot, this desolate spot, that also is an indication that she was under someone else's control, if in fact this is how it happened. But according to the sheriff, he's saying that, and if the um, the timeline is correct, that she didn't leave that store. She stayed in her car for 10 minutes after leaving the dollar store, I believe, at 3.09. So she didn't start to drive till 3.19. And it was indicated that the, um, the Venmo payment was sent at 3.17. So if she is, in fact, the one that sent that Venmo payment, they should be able to figure it out pretty easily by sell side information and actually looking at her cell phone. So let me, without any further ado, let me let the sheriff talk and you can hear what he has to say.
1: The art found in a typical death investigation is going to take significantly more time than the 19 days that have passed since the discovery to solve this crime. We uh, also want you to know that we are working diligently to solve this case. We are trying to obtain as much information as possible so that we can put together facts and evidence to support a motive and also to identify a person or persons of interest. At this time, I'd like to call up lead investigator, George Kasem, to assist with answering the questions that you may have.
2: First of all, I want to thank everyone kind for of being here and being part of this, hopefully we'll be able to answer some questions um, and give y'all some insight um, of where we're at and kind of what we're dealing with. First off, I want to start off by saying we have received a lot of questions that y'all have sent in. Um, some of these questions, the information that is pertaining to those questions is very sensitive information. We will try to answer answer them to the best. That we can but there will be information that we need to retain just for the simple fact of it being very sensitive and we, that we don't want our potential persons of, or persons of interest to be able to get a hold of this information um just that way
0: you know folks i'd just like to say that if i was running this homicide investigation i wouldn't care what questions the press or the public was asking i wouldn't answer them a- except for you know Big smoking gun questions like the results of the autopsy, which they said they just said is still pending. But questions they're gonna ask, I'm not gonna answer them because any of those answers could compromise the investigation. Don't forget the people or persons or or people that did this are still out there. So they're watching this press conference too. It does
2: not jeopardize the further of our investigation. <clears throat> As far as some of these questions that were asked, uh, I'm gonna kind of go through a list of them and try to give answers as best as possible Um uh, One of the first questions that was asked is, can you confirm the Venmo message from the daughter, uh, from mom's daughter was sent to mom's father? We're still waiting more information than we have requested to confirm or deny where, where the Venmo was sent from, but we can confirm that Amanda did receive the Venmo. She did receive money. Um,
0: You know, folks, just to say again, I'll repeat, they will know exactly where the Venmo was sent. If it was sent, they're seeing her on camera inside her vehicle outside that dollar store. If they can show that she's at that location and the Venmo was sent from there, boom, then she sent the Venmo or else the other argument people are saying, oh, maybe someone else had her cell phone Then the someone else that had her cell phone would be at a different location. Well, we, you know, they'd be sending it from another location. So this is, the phone is smoking gun uh, evidence. That much we do know, No.
2: Continuing on, our uh, next question was, are you in possession of uh cell phone? Where was it found? Yes, we are in possession of that cell phone. We do have it in evidence, and it was located at the crime scene.
0: So, so important. He just indicated that they are in possession of Deborah's cell phone. One of the first things I would do besides forensically um, finding out in and outgoing calls, text messages, cell site information, all of that information, I would fingerprint the phone and swab it for DNA. Uh, investigation 101. Uh, the next question that
2: was asked was, what was called your cause of death, and as Colonel Cogod mentioned, we are still waiting for the full report from the medical examiner's office. Once that comes in, we will absolutely update everyone on those findings. Um, what records and data have we analyzed? Due to that being a sensitive uh, that being sensitive information, much as the disclaimer that I gave um, when I first stepped up here, um, we don't want to reveal any information that could possibly be a potential. Or potentially jeopardize our investigation where our suspects will get that information. Um, there was a question about Deborah's phone records. We have served multiple search warrants on multiple different cell phone carriers. Um, we are working with them to get all permanent data um, from those devices and from those carriers. So hopefully, we'll be able to develop more of a timeline, a better timeline. And hopefully, be able to find out more information about what exactly happened. Um, inclusion of family members. Uh, the, the uh, question related to that <coughs> is that um, right now we have not ruled anyone out at this point. Uh, we have ever-developing leads and are gradually having information that we have requested come um, in. So we are still in the process of trying to find persons or person of interest. And as that information starts to trickle in, it will actually help us develop uh, more information for y'all to have. We're continuing to investigate uh, Deb's activities from September 10th through to September 11th, um, which is also going back to the timeline. Um, We're gradually just getting more information in. We want to know just as much as anyone else does. And we're working, as Colonel Cobot said, We're working diligently. We've lost a lot of sleep as such, as such should be um, in this investigation. Um, We've devoted a lot of time to this investigation. Um, There was a question about what search warrants have been executed. Um, As far as the search warrants that we have done, again, we cannot give that information out just for the simple fact that it may jeopardize and give the information out to possible potential persons of interest. We don't want to basically show our hand before we have facts. Um, we and as Colonel Kogod said, um, a couple other questions um, that were kind of obtained as far as Deborah's timeline. We have uh, obtained additional footage from the parking lot, as he described, where she is in her 2022 Chrysler Pacifica van in the parking lot. Family Dollar, um, which is obviously joined by other businesses. We've obtained additional footage um, and found that she stayed in that parking lot an additional 10 minutes. From that 10 minutes at 319 p.m., she leaves the parking lot and begins to head southbound on Georgia 15th, which is the main highway, the four-lane highway that connects Raven County to Hattersham She starts traveling southbound, towards Sulu Falls, which is just inside Happersham County. Um, We are still in the process of trying to obtain videos from other locations and other businesses along that route. And we encourage any business along that route that might have cameras, please reach out to us. Um, Look through your video cameras and reach out to us so that way we can have a meeting with you and see if we can kind of even narrow down our timeline even more. and as far as the timeline, the last time we know that she was alive was at 319 because we see her in that vehicle leaving the parking lot, heading southbound on Georgia 15th. Um, there was a question about our thoughts of this being a homicide. We have not changed our thoughts about this being a homicide. Um, we're still treating this as a murder investigation and we will not change that. Um, we will diligently and continuously work day and night trying to solve this case and try to bring justice to Miss Collier and her faith. Um, a lot of the questions we got were kind of repeat. So if I do repeat some of these answers, I do apologize, but I'm trying to go through and trying to get every question that is. Again, going back to the cell phone providers and search warrants we've done, we're working with multiple different cell phone providers to obtain necessary information. Um, All we know right now, um, as far as the Venmo message is that yes, it was sent to Amanda. Um, There was a question in there as far as do we know where the money is now? No, we don't. For the simple fact that we are still obtaining information when it was sent, where it was sent, what device
3: it was sent from. We're still uh, trying to obtain that information right now. Just a question back. Um, what, going back to what you're saying about the death and why you're confident that this is a homicide. Was there any signs of trauma to the body that clearly indicated that this was a homicide? The only thing we know as right now is the burns
2: of the body. We're still waiting for, for the absolute full report from the medical examiner's office. Um, but nonetheless, because of the burns, we're still treating this like a murder. We're trying to investigate it as such, and we won't it from that
3: just because we're going to treat it like that investigation to get all thorough information. And in the statement, it says, um, let's see, that this was, you're clear that this was uh, a random act of violence generally speaking if i say something is a random uh was uh, a random act of violence <coughs> so, let, me, let me stop right there where did that say that's uh, so, so, uh, it was not a random act not okay my apologies okay. okay what meaning that it was not a could you be more specific because i don't want to put words in your mouth what does that mean does that mean someone knew someone no what that means at this point is there this is, what
1: is no to information <laughs> There is no information or evidence to this point that shows that this was something random, that there was something that was out that was not uh, from somebody that she either knew or somebody who she had uh, some association with. That's what, sh- what we're seeing at this time. So based on that information, we do not believe that this is a random act of violence. We do not believe that this is the act of a serial killer. We believe that this act was delivered in person.
2: Okay. Uh, yes sir, Michael from Fox News Digital. I'm just curious if uh, Debbie's purse was recovered at the scene? Yes, it was. Uh, we do have that in evidence and it was recovered from the crime system. Is that another purse than the one that was said to be left at her home? That we're not aware of. Um, we're still working on that, but we do know for a fact the video uh, that was released where uh, her in the family dollars that purse was found at the crime scene and, and in his of evidence. And and one, one other question there is is there anyone in that area that she is acquainted with? Is there a reason she would go up there dressed uh, in her Bulldogs jersey on, on game day and run drive an hour we're still, We're still trying to work with that. Again, like I said, as, as far as some of the search some of the follow-ups that we're doing, um, we're trying to obtain that information to see if she has any connections. Um, if anyone in West one thing too, I'm glad you asked that. If anyone does have any kind of contact, we encourage the public as well. If anyone had contact um, with Deborah Collier during that time frame as far as from September 9th all the way through to September 11th, specifically around the time frame of 319 to Sunday when the body was found, um, if anyone had any contact or might have seen or, or talked to her, please, please, we encourage you to come forward.
4: To speak to In INVESTIGATOR life. case JOY PERSONA yes. Habersham. Um, you mentioned that she headed south on Highway 115 um, 15, after, d- d- after yeah. leaving the um, Family Dollar store. Did the school zone cameras in Tallulah Falls School pick up her yeah. departure? Absolutely. Um, and actually, I'm
2: glad you asked that. I do have something that we're going to make readily
0: available for y'all when we're done. You know, folks, some of the information that they're giving, the fact that they did recover a purse at the scene, her daughter was saying that her purse was left in their house. And like uh, I see a lot of women in the chat saying that most of you have multiple purses. Uh, The other thing is, is when we saw the dollar store video, she was carrying a purse. So some of the information um, that we were getting from the daughter clearly wasn't um, accurate. Maybe she left a purse in the house, maybe not the purse, because she did, uh, she did have a purse on her and they did recover a purse at the crime scene. So um, we're getting some good information here. Um, I think um, with the police are trying to be um, transparent. uh, I think that they're being too, they're telling too much. I don't think they need to let the public know all of this stuff. It's like, it's almost like, They're giving the uh, information away for the online sleuths can just run away with it. But I think they have to keep certain things very close to the vest. You know, uh, I mean, it was obvious if you look at the video from the, uh, the dollar store that she was carrying a purse, but I don't think they needed to know that they recovered her cell phone at the scene or that they recovered her pocketbook at the scene that's some things that maybe they should withhold so that when they do get a suspect or suspects, they have enough uh, that's not known to the public that they can question the suspect or suspects with the information that they never let out.
2: With this um, press conference, we do have in our possession, this is an actual photograph from the hall hall School cameras. She was seen traveling northbound on Georgia 15, just north of our crime scene there, just which is just south of Victory Home Lane. This is a picture of her traveling northbound, Georgia 15, traveling through these cameras at 2.17 PM on Saturday. Once we're done with this, I will actually leave it, tape it up here on the wall so that way anyone can come up here and get a better picture of it, because I understand it's it's hard to see from here. Um, So, once we're done, you can come up and get a better picture.
4: Did you see her coming back southbound?
2: We have not. Um, We have been in coordination with um, Chief Elrod from the Tulal Falls Police Department. She has spent many countless sleepless nights looking through cameras. And that being one of the most heavily trafficked roads in northeast Georgia, especially for travel um, towards the North Carolina mountains. There is probably in the upwards of 150 to 160,000 cars that come through there. Um, so they are still looking through to see if we can find
3: her coming back south. I got a question about the van uh, on so the topic. So according to the original report was sent out, the van was seen by two of Falls officers sitting there on the side of the road around five o'clock Saturday. And of course, when you all got there, the van was there on Sunday. Right. Is it you alls impression that the van was there that entire time? To to well, people. obviously, uh, from our timeline, we know it wasn't there the entire time. It was not there. So, from? you, or you home, we, from five p.m. Saturday. No, it was five p.m. Saturday to eleven-ish, twelve-ish when you guys got there Sunday. Know. Was it? Did it ever leave that location?
2: Now no. that we're not aware of. Okay. Uh, when you said the five o'clock thing, I didn't know if you were talking about Friday. But no, as far as the timeline, the only the only times that we can establish, as far as that band is there, is um, that we're still getting information i think there was another question in here if there was any tips from the community that has helped us out yes because it has helped us narrow down timelines we're still following up to see if we can actually get uh confirmation of this van being there at certain times um, but as of right now from what we know she that crime that van was there at the crime scene on sunday is what we need for now as far as her time getting back to the crime scene we confirm that we're sure
0: You know, folks, just so you know that the the van in question was a rented vehicle and it had Sirius radio and it's satellite radio, and that was used to track the location of the van and pretty important. Uh, So they could actually probably uh, track how long the van was there. What time did the van get there? Uh, Amazing technology. You know, folks, one of the the constants in this thing and one of the things we have to totally realize is that she drove 60 miles from her home to go to a dollar store. Very strange, right? Some reason she was directed to that area. This wasn't accidental. But the other thing is if you look at her demeanor going in and out of that dollar store, she didn't seem upset or nervous or looking over her shoulder I mean, you can read body language to a certain extent. However, why, when she had dollar stores right near her own home, did she drive 60 miles? The other thing is driving to the actual uh, crime scene, Uh, Georgia Route 15 in Clarksville, about 13 miles south of the family dollar store. Something brought her there. She didn't just pull over to the side of the road accidentally and say, oh, let me walk into the woods here. There's some premeditation that brought her to that location and had her walk into the woods at that location. Her daughter said her mother didn't walk much because she had a bad back. So all of these things should be verified through science. Cell phone technology. It seems like in this emergency situation, and this, of course, it's a hell of an emergency situation, it's taking a while for the, cell phone information the incoming the outgoing calls the text messages and the cell site information to come back this is a murder case and that's one of the reasons i said in the beginning they probably should have enlisted the assistance of the fbi and the gbi because a the fbi has like unlimited funds and unlimited toys and they they are the kings of the cell phones and the cell site information they can get that information quicker than anyone else. So I know a lot of jurisdictions don't like to enlist the, uh, the help of the FBI, but they can help you a great deal. The GBI also, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, I would think that the physical evidence, the DNA evidence, uh, on the evidence that was left inside that crime scene is going to be processed by their labs, right? So potentially this could be a forensic case you know, that there could be a smoking gun fingerprint or there could be a smoking gun bit of DNA left on the crime scene that will identify a perpetrator. There was also recovered by one of the news organizations, like it looked like a rifle round, a live rifle round. Could that come into play in this case? Could someone have been holding her there at gunpoint uh, and, you know, dropped a round on the ground? I would have that swabbed for DNA and also dusted for fingerprints. Jessica Sunny, this case is so weird. Her driving north out of her way to that store, then driving back south, and somehow make a U-turn and stop on the side of the road northbound. Yes, it is somewhat strange, but perhaps some physical evidence, some forensic evidence, can explain it to us. And that's we were all hoping today to have the results of the autopsy. And obviously, um, we didn't didn't receive that, right? They've already determined that this is a homicide, right? And we we mentioned, uh, you know, the cause of death could be gunshot wound, uh, blunt trauma, strangulation, asphyxia, you know, any number of ways. But the manner is either homicide, suicide, accidental or natural now they've ruled that they've already ruled that this is well the medical examiner has it the police have called this a homicide and i don't think that anyone that's following this has any doubt that this this is a murder case you know and the way she was found inside the woods there i'm you know i'm a little suspect again why was she found if in fact it's true she was found naked is that a component of this crime was there a sexual assault part of this crime, uh, or was that um, done to throw off the investigators? Was that part of staging? Something called staging in homicide was someone will actually stage a crime scene to throw off the investigators. Was that was that what they were doing? Uh, these are some of the questions we all have, you know. And, of course, narrowing down that timeline and getting it as tight as possible is so, so very important uh, because that is what's going to give you the big picture. Also, they indicate in, uh, in this investigation that much of the evidence that they've submitted hasn't come back yet. So when you're working without the evidence being processed, you don't have the results of the tests. You don't have the results of the DNA. You don't have the results of the fingerprint. You don't have the cell information back. You're at a serious handicap. You need to get that stuff back. Because even to uh, Sergeant George Ishag, how you doing, buddy? Um, Gail Salatori, staged, could be, yeah, could be a staged crime scene to attempt to throw off the investigators. The other thing, if if the daughter Amanda and her boyfriend are suspects, if they are, are we checking their cell site information? Are we checking their vehicle information? Are we checking their alibis? Are we checking calls they made to each other? Uh, they may not have any of this stuff back. So that's such pertinent information. And such important information that we we need to know these things. And of course, in my opinion, again, my opinion. Uh, we all have opinions. I think they're sharing too much. I think they they don't need to give the public this mis- much information. And you may say, oh, they should be transparent. No, not in a homicide investigation. Transparency isn't that's something that politicians do. The police got to keep certain things very close to the vest because. Someone's going to get locked up in this case eventually, and you want to make the case as easily as possible to get a conviction. If you give too much information out, it's not going to help the case.
4: During the time that she was, you say she was sitting in the parking lot outside Family Dollar. She left at 319. At 317 is when this Venmo message was sent. Have and, and earlier you mentioned you're still trying to determine what device that was sent from. Right. D- does that um, mean that you all do not yet know if she, in fact, sent that message herself?
2: Well, as the investigation goes on, I mean, we're, we're doing a lot of search to try to obtain any information that we possibly can. And as we know, as far as with the digital information and all the digital electronic devices we have these days, you can access accounts from many different devices which is why we're going through the extent of being able to
4: determine what device that vehicle sent. And her daughter received that payment at 317. She said in the athens Clark County Police Department report when she reported her mother missing that it worried her. She tried to call her mom on her cell phone. But two things. One, she had said that her mother only took her debit card and car keys. She didn't mention a purse. She didn't mention a cell phone. Also, um, that... uh, It it took her three hours, according to the timeline in the missing person report, from 3.17 to 6.01 before she actually reported her mother missing. Have you all looked into why there was a delay?
2: Yes, we have looked in, and again, we're still waiting for more information to come back. Again, the search ones that we've done, we're trying to develop those timelines, get confirmations of where these people were at, or anyone that was close to Deborah at the time, we're just trying to develop and get that information and get factual actual information. So that way
3: we can actually start putting a basis to this. Investigator, on the original incident report, there's a check mark about drug use. Is, uh, was there anything I'm to... I'll uh, let go. I can answer that. So patrol deputies, when they respond to scenes like
1: this and they don't know exactly what they have, they normally mark whatever may be applicable. In this case, because it was so questionable and there were so many unknowns when we got to the scene, they marked it as a possibility that it could be drug-related. However, at this
3: time, the investigation is not leading us in that direction. Is that another example why there may not be an obvious trauma, like someone shot, stabbed, or, you know?
1: Could be, but again, it's so preliminary in the investigation that we really can't
3: make that determination. We just do not believe, based on what we have at this time, that this is drug-related the tip that um amanda bearden was at the family dollar did that come from her did it come from somewhere else and what is the significance of her not being
2: at that location that saturday uh, i'll try to answer that as well so the tip as far as her being at family dollar came from an initial energy to where she was talking about her and mother going to family dollar buying new supplies to help clean up her you know, her apartment when she got back to jewelry. Um as far as but uh, as far as anything, as far as the Family Dollar visit, I don't think that actually came from her. Right? No, it come from it come from. Her. Yeah, more things. This is Investigator Garrison. He's also one of my team leads. So I pulled the video footage from the store and talked with everybody from the store. Um, based off of that, uh, with Miss Collier, um, she was there from for that time period from 2:54 till 310, got in her 310 till 320. Um, it was asked that if, it might have, if Amanda was in there earlier and Amanda, based off of our knowledge at this time, there was some confusion there and the associate that worked there actually saw the mother and not the daughter. I was able to provide photos to that store clerk to confirm that um, based off of what we were told and they told, and she said, no, I remember seeing the mother, not the daughter.
4: Can you speak to whether uh, Amanda Bearden has any acquaintances or friends, family in the area?
2: Um, like the investigator case said, we can't confirm that right now. Um, I'm sure once we start getting some of these subpoenas and search warrants back in these phone records, we'll be able to give an answer on that. At that time. When was the last time Amanda told you all she saw her?
0: You know, folks, it seems to me like a real long time. this is um this is coming up on three weeks. It seems a long time to wait for a lot of this evidence to come back. I mean, this is a murder case. and um, I think that they could have expedited this stuff somehow. And then, you know, you're at a huge handicap when you don't have these investigative results coming back in in a time that is formidable for the uh, for the investigation. How are they going to challenge anything anyone says if they don't have the investigative information? You know, and again, we are hoping for the autopsy results today. Um, we don't have a cause of death. You know, how did she die? We don't know that. Um, if it was a gunshot wound, if it was asphyxia, if it was blunt trauma, you know, I think that they would know that already. And uh, this, we're at a handicap. Well, obviously, we're not investigating this, but the police probably do know. However, not, they're not letting it out there right now.
3: Oh, Mom. And can you confirm a report that uh, Debbie's husband, Steve, was working
2: during the time that is experience. All right, so what we can confirm as far as that question right there is that we know that Amanda talked on the phone with her mother on Saturday afternoon. Um, I'll have to look back at my notes uh, from the actual report itself, be able to give you some kind of actual time uh, for it. But the last time she spoke to her mom was on the phone. Um, as far as Steve working, um, we have pulled video from Snow's Bank where he stated that he was working that day because of being a UGA game. He works for a private company called the Optimus Club that private contracts the so notice makes parking lot to park vehicles for game day. They use that parking lot to provide parking for people coming to the game. Um, we have confirmed that he was there from, I'm making sure I get the time nine, from,
3: four of the six. from 9
2: to 4.06, 9 a.m. to 4.06 p.m. on Saturday. I'm Nora, I was on the WCHM. Do you have any reason to believe that she could have met someone there where her veil was parked? I'm going to go back to the answer as far as we're not ruling anything out. Um, we're still trying to develop leads. We're still following up on uh, tips and information. We're still awaiting uh, information back and search
0: form. You know, she obviously met someone at that scene. She got killed. Someone killed her. If you believe this is a homicide, obviously she met someone there. Someone met her at that scene. Why did she... Drive to that scene and walk into the woods. It was pre-set up to meet somebody there. It's the only conclusion conclusion you can make from that. And the fact did she meet someone? Obviously, she's dead. You know, she. If you believe it's a homicide, someone killed her, and she obviously met someone at that scene.
4: Subpoenas
2: that we have sent off. Once that and for phone records as well. Once that information comes back, if we have time to actually analyze and and go through the details, then we'll have a better
4: answer for that. Investigator case, and I know you said that the state medical examiner's autopsy report has not yet been um, completed, but um, in the report that you all released last week, uh, you stated that Miss Collier's body was found down a ravine, and she was grasping a small tree in her hand. What does that indicate? I mean, that's
2: that's a lot.
1: I mean, at this point, we're not sure what it is.
4: Could she have been alive? It's
1: possible that she could have been alive the, at the time she went down the ravine. But again, the autopsy will help us to narrow down time of death, help us to narrow down toxicology reports, uh, help us to narrow down other things related to the body itself that we don't know.
4: So would that indicate, if she were alive, that she survived being burned?
1: Very possible. Again, very preliminary. Yes. As far as-
0: you know, one of the things that they would sound like we had um, in the uh, Kylie Rodney case where we were talking about uh, water in her lungs could indicate that she was alive when, um, when she drowned, when she inhaled the water. Same thing in a case like this, if there's smoke in her lungs, the fact that she was alive when she was burnt, that's what that could indicate. But well, we don't know yet, because the results of the autopsy has not yet been released.
1: The crime scene itself, is that private property? Is it public right-of-way? Is it U.S. Forest Service, National Forest Land? Or... Yeah, I believe it's U.S. Uh, National Forest Land. yes. 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 Mm-hmm.
4: Really quickly, Karen Spelger, 11 Alive. In reference to the crime scene, um, it was mentioned that the purse that she had at the store was found there. Were any other items recovered, uh, including the poncho she bought?
2: So, all the items that were purchased, as far as from the family dollar that we can tell right now, um, again, we're still going through the investigation, but we can't confirm that the majority of those items were found on the crime scene. You mentioned a minute ago that. Amanda had just moved back to Georgia. Where was she? And when did she move back? So this is what we can confirm. She lived in Maryland with her brother. She lived in, a, a, I think, the same apartment complex, correct? Um, with her brother up in Maryland. See, I, I, can't, I can't tell you what the city is. I'll have to, my notice up stuff in front of me. But I do know it's Maryland. She moved down here on the 8th, which would have been Thursday, September of September 8th. When she moved down here to Georgia. Um, so we know she was down here at
3: some point on Thursday. Yes, sir. The, you're clear it's not a kidnapping, despite the fact that that note, with the Venmo note, well, is that something that has made things particularly murky, because that note seems to give the impression something was going on? I'll tell you straight up,
2: right here, as far as this investigation goes, it seems like once we get on track with something, like a curveball comes in. Um, we're, that's why we're staying diligent and trying to stay on top of things and following up with the leads because we want to make sure we get back, um, specifically we y'all,
0: uh,
2: we want to make sure that we have all the information
3: before we start <coughs> pushing forward. Did she, did man?
0: You know, folks, there's a million things, you know, part of investigation of good investigation is doing what, you know, Phil calls it spitballing. I used to call it hypothesizing and theorizing and talking among investigators. Why did this happen? Why do you think? And, you know, I see a lot of you folks talking in the chat right now. Could she be, could she have been paying off a drug debt of her daughters? Could that have been? And she's dealing, say, with a drug dealer. Uh, Is that a possibility? Everything and anything is possible. When you're dealing with people in the criminal element in this world, you can't put anything past them. So, you know, that expression, oh, we have to think outside the box. Yeah, you have to think like criminals. And 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 then you use the science of investigation, which apparently the science right now is coming back very slowly because it's hampering this investigation. They need this evidence back so they can proceed to the next level folks this is police off the cuff real crime stories if you like this pop podcast we do things from a police perspective I'm a retired NYPD homicide sergeant with 27 years of service we try to put out facts and how investigators really conduct these investigations and I feel this is a this is a tremendous case I mean it's a who it really is a who done it Not every homicide case is a whodunit. This is, you know, and like I see you guys are on it in the chat. Many many of you are saying, yeah, this is really personal. This is a personal thing. Yeah, it appears to be that way. And I spoke earlier on that um, when it is personal, you always look at the family first. The answer is in the people usually that are closest to the victim. So we dig deep into the the information and into the family uh, that are closest to the victim. So folks, if you like this podcast, go on our YouTube, hit the subscribe button, give us a thumbs up and ring that bell. And if you want to support us, we have a Patreon with three different levels, and we also have a YouTube channel membership with five, count them, five different levels. We'd appreciate your support. So yeah, this case uh, again. I'm a little frustrated from looking from the outside in. Why isn't the evidence coming back? Where's the cell phone information, the cell site information? That could tell us a great deal of th- uh, a great deal of information, and it seems like it's taking a long time to come back. Again, this is a homicide case. We got to expedite it. Maybe they could have used again. I repeating again. Maybe they could have used some help from the Georgia Bureau of Investigation and perhaps from the FBI. And they would have had some, uh, some of this information, some of this evidence expedited. Um, So, but that's neither here nor there. Now they didn't ask for, um, they didn't ask for help. So let's, let's go back to the rest of this press conference.
3: Any theory as to what was going on? Why should we get that kind of message, especially now that we know this, that message was probably sent in a two to three minute window after her getting out of the store, right? Um, she has not given any kind of
2: insight as far as to that. She has been asked. Um, and again, I have to go back to my notes uh, to give you a, a, the exact statement she gave. But there's really no insight to it on who they are.
4: Where is the sheriff in all of this? We've not heard from Sheriff Terrell directly.
2: I'll let his second command this is.
1: So as any good leader, the sheriff delegates certain authorities and certain responsibilities to other people to be performed on his behalf. Um, I've been appointed as the SO, as the PIO for the Sheriff's Office of the Information Officer. And I can assure you that Sheriff Terrell is the reason we're doing this today. Uh, but I'm the spokesperson and that's why he has allowed us to report to you and also to bring in the investigators that are actually working the case to give you as much accurate and detail as we can on the ongoing investigation.
4: Is he here in Haversham? No, man, he
1: has been called out of state. So he is not here right now. So it is now 930. Again, I want to reiterate to everyone that this is a very complex investigation. It has a lot of unanswered questions It also has a lot of issues that you don't see in a typical death investigation. For that reason, it is going to take a significant amount of time, well beyond what we've had in the past 19 days, to solve this crime. But we are working diligently to do that. We are working diligently to determine the motive, to find people or a person of interest, and to bring a resolution to this case for Deborah Collier and her opinion. Thank you. Thank you. Well, may I make a second? Sure, absolutely. Also, going off of what he
2: said um, as far as the 19 day investigation, to kind of more elaborate on that, this investigation is a marathon. It's not a sprint to the finish. Um, we are going to make sure we take our time so that way when an arrest is made over the persons of interest or actually identified, that there will be ironclad information behind that and supporting our reasoning. Um, We want to encourage anyone that has any information to please reach out. Um, We are following up on any tip and any lead that we could possibly get. My opinion, and I try to leave my opinions out of this, there's no such thing as bad information as far as going to us to follow up with. Because we're going to follow up and find out whether it's relevant or whether it's factual or whether it's pertinent to our investigation. So please, if anyone has any information, do not hesitate to reach out and speak with us. I'm um, going go ahead and just give them our, put our call number out. My direct line is 706-839-0560. Investigator Garrison, who is my partner on this investigation, his phone his number is 706-839-0559. Please contact us with any information. Um, if anyone has had any kind of contact or has anything that might help us further uh, our investigation,
3: and that autopsy, so when did you guys expect it to see?
2: We're we're still waiting. We did have a meeting with them. Um, they are they have prioritized things, so they initially gave us a six week time frame, but depending on how long it takes, once we get it back, we will have another update. I promise you that.
4: One last question. Chief Deputy Kogot, I had asked you this previously, but why was the GBI not requested to lead this investigation?
1: Because the Harrison County Sheriff's Office is a full-service Sheriff's Office. We are full-service law enforcement agencies. We have a complete division that is dedicated to investigating crimes that occur here in Harrison County. It is made up of professional men and women law enforcement officers who have received special training in death investigations and crime services. However, as any law enforcement agency will do, we still reach out to our counterparts, be it the GBI, FBI, and private entities that have resources that can help us with situations or items that may need a little more expertise, that may need a little more knowledge than we have. We reach out to them, and all of our partners have been tremendous help and given us that guidance that we need when we call on them. So it's a total team effort. We are just the lead agency because we're responsible for investigating crimes here in action. Oh, in
3: The video that you discovered um, will that be available? Yes, we
1: will make the video available. We will have it to you. You will leave us an email address to send. We will send it to you by close of business today. Okay. Thank you very much.
2: And again, like I said, the picture of the vehicle. That I'm going to leave right. So y'all can actually get a better picture of that. So
0: so folks there is the um there's the press conference and um we didn't get all of the information that we would have wanted uh for the fact that um everyone was sort of hoping that the autopsy information would have come back today and and it didn't didn't and a lot of the um forensic information uh has not been received yet. I I really liked that question that the one journalist asked is uh, why didn't uh, the GBI handle this case? And the sheriff answered that basically my guys are trained to investigate homicides. This is our um, jurisdiction and we're gonna run with it. But um, surely if we need help from the GBI, We won't hesitate to ask them. And um, I wonder, though, uh, if they did request help from the GBI. And sometimes smaller jurisdictions, they want to handle their own homicides, but yet many times they're not really uh, qualified to do so. And I'm not saying that this jurisdiction isn't qualified, but I I sort of think they should have asked for some help because... um, This is a complicated case. It really is. And, you know, uh, the sheriff indicated that this case is different than any other homicide. It's not different than any other homicide. Many homicides, many murder investigations are quite difficult. And uh, I always say, and I say it all the time, investigation is an art and it's a science. And you have to be able to combine both to come up with the answers and use the science and the art of investigation. The art of investigation is real police work, going out and talking to people, interview, interrogation, uh, using other police officers to get information from you, for you, from the community, using the community, using the press to get some information. Then the science of course is all scientific evidence, DNA. Fingerprints. Um, You notice more and more in all kinds of homicide investigations, cell phone technology and computer technology comes into play almost day one on almost every investigation there is. And this case is no exception. And they're waiting. One thing I, I, I don't totally understand. I use Venmo. I send money to people via Venmo. And when I send the money, it's very specifically sent to a certain person and the name and the time and also the banking information has to be put into Venmo for them to receive money. So I don't understand how they don't know what phone it was sent from and where was that phone and what happened to the money. If the money was sent to the daughter, Amanda Bearden, didn't it go right into her bank account? Why is that a mystery? I don't understand that. I don't understand how that is all a mystery. Suzanne Sanders, her daughter was offering up way too much information car rental number and a couple of other things. I don't think most people not involved in their mother's murder would even think about that info. Look, I, I you know, lots of times, and again, I don't want to, Predict who did this, but I just know as a homicide investigation, investigator, you look at the people closest to the victim first. All right. So, evidence, so physical evidence, the forensic evidence, the scientific evidence comes back and tells you otherwise. So, there's a lot of questions still here. I just, I'm a bothered a little bit by the fact that the, um, The evidence hasn't come back yet. The cell phone, the cell site information, the text messages, the call call detailing, and there's numerous phones that are involved here. Where is all that? And you know something, when when I talk about that, in no way is that information simple to deal with. We used to have a guy in, or a couple of detectives in homicide that were the cell phone guys, that were the go-to guys go to when the cell phone information came back uh after all sergeant bill were any suspects named are they preventing the daughter and boyfriend from leaving town after all no they are not they can't prevent them from leaving town that's television stuff you know if you're arrested that's a different story if you're they can't say i don't leave town stay around we may be arresting you they can't say that you know they may ask them uh If you're leaving town, could you let us know or give us a a number, forwarding number? But if someone's not arrested, they're free to go. They can go wherever the hell they want. Folks, uh, I want to thank everyone for stopping by today and and, uh, listening. I didn't even say that this was coffee with Cannon, backyard beverage, bitching with Bill. This is police off the cuff, real crime stories. And I wanted to play that, um, the press conference, because I think a lot of Questions were asked. A lot of questions were answered. Um, Suzanne Sanders, I think they have that info, holding it close, is not to alarm anyone. That would have been number one on their list. Um, I think they, you know, they need to just really hold a lot of the information back and uh, work this case. Work this case till you put someone in handcuffs. Folks, again, I want to thank everyone for stopping by today. This is a really, really interesting case. Um, we sometimes forget these are human beings that we're talking about. Uh, this lady seems like a great lady. Uh, she had a husband, she had a son and a daughter, and, uh, she seemed like she was a hardworking woman. Uh, no one deserves to to die like this, to be murdered as the police are indicating that this is a homicide. So we're going to follow this right to the end and hopefully to the conclusion, to the best conclusion, which will be someone getting arrested and uh, paying the piper for this. And uh, again, I'm going to follow this right through. Folks, thank you so much for listening today. God bless and have a great day.